Hello and welcome back to We've Made It, brought to you by Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orm. In this episode, I'll be chatting to Zoe Williams about why crafting is good for your mental health and why it can be a mindful activity too. On with the show. So today we're talking about the benefits for your well-being and mental health of crafting. Yeah. And oh my goodness, once you start to look into this, there's so much, isn't there? It's like you get sucked into a rabbit warren of reading all the fascinating studies and things out there and the different people that are talking about this. Like I could have spent days in an internet yeah. vortex. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And I think there's so many different elements of why crafting is really good for your mental health and how it can help you to be more mindful that I think it's really hard to actually narrow it down. And actually probably mindfulness is a really good place to start talking about it. So I think I've mentioned on here before that, so my background, I've been writing about wellness and mental health and similar stuff for the last three years. So this is really one of my favorite topics. Yeah, I do feel that we have an expert in craft and well-being in this call, mindfulness. So that's you. Yeah, but yeah, but the, but the two really do overlap. It's, you know, crafting and mental health, they really do go hand in hand. So I guess the most, in the most basic way, when you craft, it's a very mindful activity. And if people aren't sure what mindfulness is exactly, it's basically a state of mind where you focus on the present. And it's known to be very good for your mental health. It helps you to stop thinking about your worries or anything else that's going on in your life for just a short time and there's loads of different ways that you can be mindful you can you can walk mindfully you can cook mindfully you can even eat mindfully which we won't get into (laughs) because I think we've talked about food enough on the podcast (laughs) never but crafting is a really great way to be mindful because when you're doing crafting it's very difficult for you to think about anything else yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I've spent a lot of time crafting in many different scenarios over the years, but one thing that is impossible is to watch TV with subtitles while crafting, which I think yeah. in a way that, that actually sort of demonstrates this, the fact that your brain can't read something at the same time as you're stitching or knitting because it's in a different zone. Yeah, those those two parts of the brain don't seem to tie up for some reason. I mean, I used to try and watch... I was really into the the Danish thriller, The Killing. Yes, <laughs> and of I watched you it were. with the subtitles. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course, you are. It doesn't surprise me. You have definitely a like a Nordic element <laughs> to your style. Yeah, it's, it's my it's my dark side. I'm into crafting and also murder and um, and your jumpers. And your yes, jumpers. and I do there like a, a Scandi. I mean, people can't see, but I am quite often wearing a Scandi jumper while we're recording these. <laughs> Um, I read a really lovely line that summed up this topic. And I think it was on, um, there was a folksy article. There's many articles out there that talk about this this sort of phenomenon that many of us experience of finding, making things to be quite mentally relaxing. And it described craft as a, quote, antidote to modernity, end quote. And I thought that was quite nice. So basically, it's just the ultimate thing that you don't need a screen for. You're just really going back to creating with your hands. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because if I do watch something when I'm crafting, it does have to be something that doesn't require a lot of concentration. Mm. Um, But actually, I do quite often listen to podcasts while I'm doing some crochet or something like that. 
because I can find out those two things work for some reason. But if you have to then add looking at something else, for some reason, it doesn't. Would that be like when you're doing crochet, that it's quite a repetitive thing, like where it's a granny square pattern or something where you know quite instinctively what you're doing, you know, because yeah. I think it's when you have to follow up pattern because a lot of my stuff would be cross stitching where you follow a chart so that is a bit trickier yeah I think as soon as you have to start counting anything then it it falls apart a little bit but I think overall crafting is just a it's a really good way to distract yourself from other things and there's quite a bit of research as well into the benefits for you so I do have a few little facts here tell me the facts Sarah I know you like a fact I do like a fact so this one is a survey of knitters in 2013. It found that there was a link between how often you knit and how calm and happy you feel, Ooh, which is nice. Do you know which study that was? Um, I don't have it to hand. I probably should have put links in my notes, but I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I could find it again. But it was quite a large survey. I think it was about 2,000 people. So so not a small one. And it also found that knitters who got together and got together in craft groups felt happier and benefited from socializing with others oh I can identify with that yeah I mean and there are other studies as well there was one into people with ME and chronic fatigue syndrome and it's found that that improved their satisfaction in daily life they had a more positive self-image they felt more hope and it gave them more contact with the outside world so there's loads and loads of studies they do Um, and that's very good yeah yeah endless ones and there's another one which was quite good a study in 2000 which showed that needlecraft, so cross-stitch embroidery, benefited people who had depression. So there really is, there's a lot of studies into this. Yeah, my understanding is, so I should add, I did want to add a disclaimer, which is more from me than for both of us, but we both quite strongly, I think it's fair to say, believe that there are many well-being benefits um, from crafting, but this doesn't always replace, if you're listening to this and you have really severe mental health issues, we do appreciate that all the things we're talking about today, we really do strongly believe that crafting helps your mental health and your well-being, but n- nothing will replace if you need to get medical help. Just wanted to just say that, you know, we are not, we're not saying that this will necessarily fix some really major, you know, psychological issues. No, absolutely. If you're feeling a persistent low mood or if you're feeling depressed, then you really do need to talk to a medical professional, which we are not, we should yes. point out. Uh-huh. But... Having said that, if you are somebody who perhaps just periodically experiences stress or anxiety, then crafting can really benefit you. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've certainly found myself. I had a spell where I felt quite anxious and that went on for quite a long time. And the thing that really got me out of that was crochet. And I found when I was crocheting, I couldn't worry about anything mm. else. I, I completely relate to that. I think, I mean, I've I've been cross-stitching since I was 13 and it's always been something for me that was very relaxing. And the same with sewing now and, and still knitting. I'm knitting a hat at the moment as well. <laughs> I think most of us enjoy a few things, but I think it's really, I, I, I personally have found, and I think I've heard anecdotally so many people, even when you step aside from the medical studies, um, I've worked in online craft communities for a long time. And again and again, people report that it has helped them ease symptoms, whether it's whether it's of low mood or depression, whether it's stress and anxiety. And and also it, what I find fascinating is that it seems that increasingly researchers are cottoning onto this and all these these sort of studies are starting to take on a more scientific, you know, people are looking at, well, what exactly is it about making that is 
is showing these actual physical benefits, like it can alleviate the experience people have of pain, partly possibly through distraction. Yeah, it is interesting because when I was digging around looking for researching this podcast, I did find out that apparently things like art therapy, they've been used as far back as the First World War. Mm. So soldiers who were returning from the trenches, they were basically given practical things to do, making things like willow baskets, for example. And that helped them with their PTSD. So it is something that actually has been recognised to have benefits for a really, really long time. But I think it's only in recent years that they've actually started to put some proper research into it. And a lot of it is really just confirming what we, I think, subconsciously already know. Yes. It feels good to make things and it's a really good distraction. I think you also, you have the thing, don't you? There's the distraction element and there's also the sort of, there's a confidence building or empowering element for us of like we're making, there's something very positive about you're actually building confidence that you are skilled at something and you, I mean, it depends who you are, like how much this will, you'll relate to this. But I know I've spoken to a lot of um, stitchers and knitters over the years for whom it's really quite an empowering thing that they make it's quite it's quite powerful sort of that they they're proud of it and sometimes it's people that don't have confidence in other areas of life does that make sense yeah there's definitely a satisfaction in having started a project and then being able to follow it through to something that's finished and yours and probably receives some praise from people when you show it to them as well that gives you a boost yeah Um, and even more even more so I think if it's a gift yeah, Because people really do appreciate a handmade gift. Well, I think more so, especially in the days of Amazon deliveries the next day, if you've actually gone to the effort to make something. Um, I got very excited when, I was, when, we, when we said we would talk about mental health benefits of crafting today because several of my worlds have collided in this. So my first ever job, I trained in publishing and um, stuff, was for the Journal of Occupational Therapy, and I used to work with a lady called Betson Corkhill. And I don't know if you know of her, but she launched Stitch Links in 2005. And it was after she I was working with her on Cross Stitcher magazine at the time that she realized that we had this increase, like there was always these letters from readers reporting these, these things we're talking about, like cross stitching really helps me on a daily basis, manage the symptoms of my depression and cross stitching really eases my anxiety. And she was a former nurse, so she actually went away and created Stitch Links that not only forms a community for people to empower them to use crafting to help manage health conditions, but also she's done loads of research, like medical research, including having an article in the Journal of Occupational Therapy, The Circle of Life. That's amazing. I know, right? That's, that's very cool. She's like one yeah. of my heroes. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, there's... It definitely is. You can you can definitely get sucked into a little um, wormhole if you start looking. Wormhole? Rabbit hole, I think <laughs> I mean. I do mean rabbit hole. Craft hole. Um, you get sucked into a rabbit hole of all these articles. I mean, I got into reading about athletes using it. Oh, what a thought. So, so apparently lots of high-level athletes use knitting to help them relax when they're at big competitions. So there was... I think it was in 2018. Let me check my notes. Yes. The Finnish team at the Winter Olympics in 2018 all got together and knitted a scarf like, to help them manage the stress. Look at the finish. I'm so, I want to know more about this. Like, when did they knit the scarf? Like, at the finish line? 
I think they were knitting it kind of as they as they went. <gasps> I, su- I suppose to relax because I guess if you're waiting for the biggest thing of your career, <laughs> you probably can <laughs> do with a bit of distraction. Yeah, and actually, was somebody um, we know quite well in the UK, Tom Daly. Yes, yes, he's recently got into knitting, and he's done it to help him manage the stress of Those his situations. athletic career. So even even the athletes are getting in on it now. Everybody's uh, in on all it. All the celebrities are doing it because, but we knew it first. Yeah, we were doing it before it was yeah. cool. Although, actually, I imagine Finnish people probably are quite into their knitting. Oh look, here we go back to the to Finland and the Scandinavian <laughs> way of life. I am a fan. Um, I um, I know that like in a minute we're going to have a bit of a talk about as well. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on the meditative elements of crafting. Yes, um, there is a lot you can talk about that. Oh, let's do that bit first, actually, and then I'll talk to you about the other thing. Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked a little bit about mindfulness already, but if you're doing a craft and making something with your hands, there's actually a proper name for that. It's called grounding. I know. So I love there's, this. there's a proper term. And the idea is that if you're doing something with your hands, it basically takes you out of whatever whatever place your brain is in and brings you back to your body so a lot of the time when people are struggling with things like anxiety you can get really caught up in your thoughts and you get into a bit of a I guess an anxious spiral is probably the best Mm -hmm. way to describe it where you're anxious and then you think and that you overthink and that makes you more anxious but if you do something like crochet or knitting or anything with your hands it grounds you it brings you back into the real world and reminds you basically of the present moment and your thoughts will stop racing away and I know knitting and knitting crochet they're not for everybody so one thing you can do if you're not particularly into those crafts is coloring oh of course quite a big trend a few years back but the benefit of it really I think is again it's a grounding thing it brings you back into the moment into the present time without having to concentrate on it too much so Mm. if you're like really struggling because and a lot of people when they have anxiety they have a really short attention span and it's really hard to focus on something for a long period coloring is a really great way just to be doing something with your hands and not have to think too much about it so that's a top tip there I love um, that one. And it's quite hypnotic colouring as well, isn't it? You do you do get into that sort of state. Like my daughter has a lot of colouring books and I've had times where I've sat down and coloured with her and then she's got bored and I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to finish this. Yeah, it definitely, it has that similar satisfaction, I think, of you can complete it. A colouring page is mm-hmm. like a finished project. You fin- You finish it off and it's done. And I think that can be quite satisfying as well. And I think even though, I mean colouring goes through sort of like trends and crazes and even though it's sort of there there was a huge like um craze and loads of books and things around it a couple of years ago I think you still see that interest because like painting by numbers last year came through as and it's a very similar concept you know someone just gives you a kit you don't have to think about it and all the paints are mixed and ready and labeled up for you and all you do is just fill in the nice the shapes and that is all you have to do for that time yeah, so that's that's the direct benefit for mental health. But there's also other 
things we can talk about as well, like the creative flow state. I really want to talk about the creative flow state. It's so exciting. It's something that's always really fascinated me. So basically, I suppose the best way to describe a creative flow state is it's a bit like being in the zone. Yeah. So you know when you're doing something and everything seems to come easily, you're in this almost meditative state where everything flows and it can feel like meditation and I think your mind is working in a similar way but I was reading some really interesting stuff about it and I'm going to have to look at the guy's name because it's really hard to say. So there's a TED talk by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. He describes it as the perfect balance between skill and challenge and it's getting into a state of mind where everything seems to come easily And he gives the example of a composer who says that when he's in his flow state, it's almost like an ecstatic state. He's like almost religious, which is quite interesting. And Mm. so this is a little quote from his TED talk, which I think is, is quite good. He said, when you're really involved in this completely engaging process of creating something new, as this man is, he doesn't have enough attention left over to monitor how his body feels or his problems at home. He can't feel even that he's hungry or tired. His body disappears. His identity disappears from his consciousness because he doesn't have enough attention, like none of us do, to really do well something that requires a lot of concentration and at the same time to feel that he exists. So existence is temporarily suspended. And he says that his hand seems to be moving by itself. Exactly. Which sounds a bit a bit spooky, but... Existence think, is temporarily suspended. That yeah, sounds glorious. So it is. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had this but I used to find at school when I was in art classes I would get so focused on what I was doing that at the end of the class I'd feel like I was waking up yeah I have actually and I think you if you think about the language we use around these activities that you lose track of time you know and it all comes out of the same concept doesn't it I know what you mean it's almost like you're coming around and blinking and looking around you and you sort of remember the outside world yeah and it is it's a little bit disorientating but in a good way. Um, Yeah, I think he had another quote as well, which was quite good. Yeah, so he says that it's a sense of clarity. You know exactly what you want to do from one moment to the other. You get immediate feedback. You know what you need to do is possible to do, even though difficult and a sense of time disappears. You forget yourself. You feel part of something larger, which I just think is amazing. So do check out his TED Talk. It makes a lot of sense, but have, have you ever heard of a film called Spring, Summer, Autumn, Winter? No, I don't know that one. It's really, um, I think it's like an art house film. I saw it um, in Bath a few years ago. And you, um, it's about the difference. It's about a Buddhist um, monk and his apprentice. I think Buddhist monk, I may have got the official name wrong for their titles. But um, anyway, he has this apprentice and they just live in this cabin on a lake. And each season he learns a different, one of the core lessons of Buddhism. And one of them is work. And during that season, so the suggestion is that the concept of work is spiritual. And so like just by scrubbing the floor, he's sort of learning and enlightening himself. I wondered if the two concepts are linked. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness itself, a lot of the ideas behind it do come from Buddhism. Mm. So it's it does have those spiritual roots. So I'm not not really surprised that you were linking that film to it, because definitely there's that historic connection I think in some ways mindfulness is just really like a a rebranding of a lot of of Buddhist ideas and ideas from other cultures as well. I agree, actually. And it's it's interesting when you were reading the quotes in the TED Talk, it reminded me of 
mindfulness, obviously, we didn't talk about mindfulness 20 years ago. Like when I was a teenager, we would have talked about meditating and sort of other connected concepts. But I remember when I first started hearing about the concept of mindfulness, it was about 10 years ago. And the, and I remember saying to someone, it's that, it's that thing of you feeling, and it's exactly what you said about being grounded, being grounded in your body and stepping out of your head and looking around you and feeling feeling the sensation of air on your skin or ground under your feet. And so it's really interesting that we've ended up coming back to that like very initial, like because I think in recent years, people have confused mindfulness. Someone once said to me, oh, I, I haven't tried mindfulness. I don't like the app. And I was like, oh, it's not it's not an app. Like it's the app is one one way of practicing mindfulness. But that's not the concept. Mindfulness essentially is free. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you, you don't need to download an app to do a lot of it once you know the basics. It's like to meditate, you just need really somewhere quiet to be. Or, well, you, you can meditate in a noisy place, but I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, once you know the basics of like how to breathe and um, some simple exercises, you can just do them anywhere and it doesn't cost you anything. And I think it's really nice with crafting to make the mindfulness a part of what you do you know so even things like organizing your your threads or you know playing around with some little bits of paper when you're doing some collaging that can be quite mindful in itself so I think a lot of mindfulness is just finding ways to bring it into your normal life you don't need an app definitely no and in fact it's interesting because the other thing that obviously I I think explain because I have this feeling that it's a very widespread like that, that many of us out there have these sensations when we're making things and when we're knitting and when we're crafting. Like it's certainly something that I've anecdotally heard again and again, even before the research. And um, I think part of the reason is it's so accessible to anyone, very much like mindfulness, you know, mindfulness, I'm doing quote marks, but like um, you don't really need to have any experience, like especially these days, like anyone could learn to knit with a couple of YouTube tutorials or they could come to our website gathered.how um (laughs) but um good plug but you know like or anyone can pick up a needle and thread and these aren't necessarily expensive supplies there are expensive craft supplies which is a whole other you know thing that many of us get excited about but equally at its core you don't really need much to experience these things we're talking about do you no i mean at its most basic you could just get a pencil on a piece of paper start doodling yeah um because doodling actually is another way mm. to, um, yeah, to lose yourself a little bit. I did read some research a while back and it was saying that if you're doodling during a meeting, it doesn't mean you're not paying attention because they tested people to see Ooh. what they remembered Yeah, after a meeting. And they found that those who were doodling, they had just as high a level of, of recall as the people who weren't. So... If somebody's doodling in a meeting, what it is, is kind of, it's almost like your brain is filing things away. Yeah. Processing. While your hand. Yeah, it's, it's processing, definitely. So you don't need to feel bad at it. You don't need to feel bad about it. You sh- certainly shouldn't like judge anybody if they're there doodling in a meeting because they're just accessing a different part of their brain. It's interesting because contemplation was one of the, um, there was a big BBC Arts and you, um, you know, University College London study with about 50,000 people a few years ago that looked about how craft can regulate emotions. And one of the three ways was using it as a contemplation tool. And I know we've talked about how it eases stress, but I think possibly, you know, when we're in that moment and we are feeling very anxious and very overwhelmed, it's quite hard to step 
you almost do need to step out of it into a different state to be able to come back to that problem or that issue fresh. Um, so yeah. we're sort of we're doing that process in the background while we're in our flow straight flow st- while we're in our flow stream. Our brain is probably sort of going, okay, right, let me try that again. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, if you think about times when you've solved a problem, it's mm. quite often when you're doing something else in the shower. So or... yeah. I, I mean, I get my best ideas in the shower, um, you know, but, but <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying that. Um, Do you remember I had that that um, one time I told you I had this amazing idea for a podcast theme in the shower and I didn't write it down and I've never remembered it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying. Honestly, guys, it was going to be amazing. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I must tell Sarah. Like, this is the perfect podcasting topic. And uh, who knows what it was. But uh, I'm, I assure you it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's actually why it's usually a really a good idea to have a notebook in your handbag. In the shower. Nearby. I mean, obviously you can't have it in the shower. Um, but if you have an idea, write it down because you will mm. forget. You know, like if you have a, a dream and you don't write it down when you wake up, you will forget it. It'll be gone unless it was particularly weird. Oh, maybe it was a weird podcast idea. I don't know. But anyway, I, I digress from what we're talking about, which is how crafting is really good for you basically yeah which I think I mean I think a lot of the things we've talked about today are things that people know deep down anyway you're doing crafting you're doing crafting because it makes you feel good I know and if you're listening to this and you can relate to this please do get in touch with us and tell us your own experiences if there are situations in your life that you found you have found a particular craft has helped you cope with or if you found it has had a positive impact on your your mental or physical health we would love to hear from you yeah and I think there's definitely something to be said for making things that you've made before if it's a pattern or Mm. something that you can do without thinking about it then you can let your mind go really and your mind can go wherever it wants to go I do think that's why I love a good granny square because you almost you definitely go into the flow state with a granny square like you just it's just very soothing and I do a thing oh here's another good tip actually so I do a thing with cross stitch where because you have to concentrate a bit more as you're finding your way around a chart if it's all whole stitches I'll do that I do them in half stitches first so I've pinned the colors basically and then I go back over them so when I'm going back over them with the second half of the stitch I don't need to be following a chart for that half ah there you go that's a way to Clever. make if you if you want to switch off your brain a bit a half of your cross stitch, you don't have to be going count six across and then two up for the white, all the time. Yeah, and I think it is always good to have something that you can can do like when you can to have a craft that you can do where you can do two things at once. Yeah, maybe that's why. I mean, knitting is knitting has well knitting crochet cross stitch they all have a huge volume of fans out there don't they you know there are huge communities online and offline yeah I mean but it isn't just crafts as well we haven't really talked much about art art is mm. it's definitely another way that you can be mindful and you can be relaxed um because I've talked before about how I do lino printing there's a stage with that where I'm carving the design and I find that incredibly relaxing I guess it's it's a similar thing. You require concentration to do it. And so while you're doing it, it's not possible for you to worry about anything else or think about anything else. Unless you stab yourself in the hand. But <laughs> maybe <laughs> which I have done. 
That is exactly like the TED Talk, isn't it? That's the whole point. It's the combination of you need enough skill or thought to process what you're doing or block other things out. Yeah, you have to have that that balance. It has to be something that you've got a reasonable level of skill at. If you're a beginner, you probably won't feel very mindful. If you're getting frustrated because yeah. you can't do it, so, you get so annoyed. In- this, I would use sewing as an example of this. Like if you're not confident with your sewing machine, it can actually be quite stressful. By the way, don't let this put you off sewing if you always want to try. It, honestly, just get to know your sewing machine and it'll be fine. But um, I've, I've had times where, you know, I can't, get the bo- I can't get the bobbin to load properly or I keep snapping needles and I don't know why. And that is not in any way relaxing. But equally, when it's going well, like when I'm making a quilt, and I'm just sewing squares of fabric together. Or like you say, maybe the cutting the fabric squares is the equivalent of your lino cutting. Yeah, maybe it is. You know, it's just... Again, it's, it's that thing that it's quite tactile. I mean, I have to say the fun thing with the lino print is when you're carving it away, you get like these little flakes of lino mm-hmm. that peel off. You get, and then you can just brush them away. And there's something as well that's quite satisfying about seeing a design. And then as you carve, it basically reveals itself. Yes. Yeah, which is which is really satisfying, and it, I think that's the same for any craft project that you're making. That there's this, this this like un, unraveling where everything becomes you know complete. Definitely, I think. Oh, because so I wonder if there are any scientific studies that actually get into how that state of satisfaction, or like even just how pleasing it is when you're making something that aesthetically you like the fabric combination of fabric colors or you're making it for a good cause as well. Like there's obviously a lot of um, ways that you can use your crafting to do for good. Um, I was reading about Knit for Peace. Have you heard of Knit for Peace? No, I've not heard of that one. Oh, it's a, If you're listening and you want to read more about this, Google it. But they, um, they are a sort of organization who they ask people to knit items and they donate the supplies to people in need. So it may be re- refugee camps in Syria or food banks or, sh- or shelters um, for people living through domestic violence. And they always have call-outs for sort of the things they need, like it might be blankets during winter, for example. But I think there's also something something really rewarding about knowing you're making, like as when you're making a gift, but it, more so if you want to find a way to be involved with your community and feel more connected, crafting can enable you to do that as well. Yeah, and I think... It's also really good if you can use your crafting as a way to socialise. So, I mean, at the moment, opportunities for that are a bit limited, but maybe you can have like a a virtual cup of tea and crafting session with your friends or, I don't know, go outside and sit two metres apart and do some drawing together. You know, there's there's ways and means means to do it, but it can also help to alleviate loneliness. Yeah, And I think... We haven't really talked about loneliness in this, but it is a massive problem, particularly actually among young people. There was a study that was done by the BBC uh, a few years back that found that I think it was 18 to 24s were the loneliest, the loneliest. And um, I would not have guessed yeah. that. No, you would assume it was older people, mm. but you'd, you'd assume that younger people are on social media and that they're talking to their friends a lot, but that doesn't make them feel more connected. Actually, I would have. I would say that last year, when when lockdown was it really in the throes, um, my older relatives who were used to living alone had already made that adjustment. Whereas I definitely had younger friends and co-workers who were who found it much more isolating suddenly living alone and having all of that social network taken away. Yeah, I mean, and as we know from our work, a lot of people got into crafting last year. Yes, and 
Yes. I mean, there was a global shortage of sewing machines. Yeah. And also probably for many of the reasons that we are discussing today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Never has it been needed more. (laughs) And I think it is those, it is for two, a couple of different reasons. I think it's for something to do. If you're stuck in your house, you need something that, that you can use to keep busy and a craft project is great for that. But I think there is the therapeutic element of it as well that is really important and I think a lot of people have recognized that over the last year. I really love that um, universally people come together and craft together like whether it's sort of like the sewing bees in America or um, I love it when quilting bees sorry I really love it when do you ever find that where you stumble across a bit of community artwork or craft like on a day-to-day walk or something like you'll find you'll they'll, you'll they'll, you'll go in a church and there's like a beautiful community tapestry and I always think oh my goodness like I so appreciate all the time and the coming together that's gone into them making that as a sort of one community group yeah I mean actually my mum and my granny they worked on what something very similar to that mm. it was a, a giant Cornish tapestry it's called the Tregellis tapestry and it's about the history of Cornwall oh wow and did they yeah, I can remember my mum having it at her section at home as a child as she was there working on it. I don't think we were allowed to do anything on it, but it, you know, she talked about it quite a bit and my granny was very, very proud of it. Oh, you saw this. Did you see the story last year about Rita's quilt? It reminds me of that. No, I've not seen that. Rita's quilt was, um, anyway, someone found a quilt um, that had been in a charity shop or something and it was unfinished. And um, it was all the, all the different states of the United States. And it became a massive community project that all different embroiderers and needle artists in America came together and finished this quilt as a huge community project. And it was covered in the BBC and in, in global news. And I still follow a lot of the people that made it on Instagram now because it's just just such a phenomenon of a community project. Yeah, and I think that is the the power of craft. It can bring people together as well and make people feel more connected, especially when times are really hard. Yeah, exactly. So um, another power of positivity element to why crafting is good for you. I think now is probably a good time to talk about our project of the week. What's yours, Zoe? Well, I have um, been thinking about... um, I always get a bit like this and in the first half of the year, like sort of not resolutions but things I've always wanted to have like to do or make and one of them is we have a project on the website called um well it's a sewing machine cover and it's by a designer called Mandy Pellegrin I actually really love her name really want her surname cool name I know right and it was in Molly Makes magazine initially and it's like a chevrons um sewing machine cover um so it's a thing of beauty but it's also a practical thing because my sewing machine is always covered in dust. And even though I have worked on articles telling people how to service their sewing machines, and I understand that dust is really bad to have clogging up your sewing machine, yet I am unable to cover mine up because I'm too lazy. So I'm going to make that cover for it. Yeah, make it happen. Yeah, That exactly. sounds good. I, I actually also have a Molly project. Oh, go on. This week. I mean, just everything in Molly makes is lovely. I know. It's just why I keep mentioning <laughs> their projects every week. Yeah, so my one is Jessica Bisco's knitted polar bear hot water bottle cover. Yes, it is. It is beautiful. adorable. It has little pom pom ears. It's wearing a little fair old jumper. <laughs> of course, I love it. It's so so cute. I don't know that I can do justice to how cute it is. I know the one, People... and she, Sarah's right. It is really cute. 
Yeah. I mean, even if you don't want to put a hot water bottle in it, you should still make it. I feel like we should do a cutest projects episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, I might just die of cuteness, but... (laughs) (laughs) Or the cat. Yeah. Oh, so much we could talk about. But but yeah, the polar bear hot water bottle cover. Look it up. Okay. It is A good cosy make. So a practical project and a cosy project there. Yes. And those are both on gathered.how. They are. You should check them out. Just... Yes, mentioning that repeatedly. Um, (laughs) Okay, Zoe, what is your one good thing this week? My one good thing this week is a slight departure um, from craft, but still related. Um, I have been making with my children this week homemade science. So um, my son is eight and he's getting really interested in science projects and things, which I just absolutely love and I'm really encouraging. And and much like with crafting, you don't need expensive stuff to do it. But I found we found this amazing project, which I really loved making with them. And we made our own lava lamps. And oh. yeah, and it was so... And I mean, we've tried some pretty doomed home science projects as well, I should add. But this one, you get a bottle and you put food colouring in the bottom. And then you put oil and water in and obviously they separate. And if you drop a Barocca tablet in, the energy that the Barocca tablet then starts fizzing makes all the um, food colouring rise up like a lava lamp. Oh. It gave us so much entertainment. We had to go and buy another pack of Barocca tablets. <laughs> that sounds out. so much fun. It really is. I recommend it. If you've got children at home you want to entertain, make your own lava lamps. You need quite a lot of vegetable oil is the downside. Yes. It, that sounds like so much fun. I love it. Old-fashioned science project you know like when you make those volcanoes yeah uh, that, yeah that fizz <laughs> and make an absolute mess everywhere yeah i've got a craft disaster story about those for another week that i'll tell you <laughs> yeah maybe at some point we should do making for kids oh we should I've, i yeah. think that could be a whole episode it definitely could but um but over to you what's your one one good thing this week that you have enjoyed yeah so i'm gonna go for something a, a bit different this week it's a book recommendation okay So there is a book that I absolutely love and I've come back to it just over and over because it is just so good. It's The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. Okay. And it's a book set in medieval Russia. What? And it's it's like part historical story, part fairy tale. And it definitely has that kind of Baba Yaga kind of feeling to it. It's all very magical and set in a lot of it's set in the winter so they have the little village and the snow all around and they have to get through the the harsh russian winter and it's just a really lovely book it's the kind of book you just want to cozy up with a blanket and a hot chocolate and just just curl up and read it it's so nice and i recommend it to everybody okay i'm going to be going to buy that book after when we've when we stopped recording yeah, and it's it's just such a lovely book to read in the winter. It's definitely a winter book. Oh, okay, yes. I'm yeah, I want it. I think you've recommended that to me before actually. And I keep re- I'll keep recommending <laughs> it and, until you buy it. I actually brought a book while we were, I was researching this podcast. Oh yeah, what was well, it? Well, you know I was talking about Betson at Stitchlink. She's done a book called The Benefits of Knitting for Personal and Social Wellbeing and I was like, Do you know what? I really want to read that. So this podcast has led me to buy two books. Which I mean, to be fair, I did. To be fair, I did have to restrain myself because I was really tempted to buy the book by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Oh yeah, and also you said that has, name twice now. Well done. 
I know it's really hard, <laughs> but he has written a, f- a couple of different books on the flow state, and I find it so interesting. So I am, um, I really had to resist the temptation to buy it. Just buy it, Sarah. Maybe I will. You know, I want to know. I want to know more about the flow state. I'm sure everyone li- else listening does too. So I think you should buy it, so you can tell us more. Yes, or you can watch his TED talk, which is really good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that's a a nice place to leave it. Yeah. So you think. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. And if you've got any any crafting mental health tips or stories, then we'd like to hear from you as well. So don't forget to look us up on really Facebook, would. Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of We've Made It. Don't forget, you can find all of the craft projects that we've talked about in this episode over on our website, gather.how. If you've got any questions or comments, we'd really love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us by looking for Gathered on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. 